0: determine if ally was a title that you were going to add to your bio or if it was going to be a way of life. You walk in allyship. You are acting as an ally. Welcome to Beyond Allyship, a podcast that helps humans shift their understanding of what it means to be an effective ally and show up in allyship for marginalized communities. yourself with people who are doing this work. Let's get it popping. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Allyship podcast. I am your host, Dr. J-Pop, and today we are finishing up our series, Seven Habits for Effective Allyship. So just to recap, in the first episode, we talked about letting go of your ego exploring your identities, and leading with curiosity. In the second episode, we talked about seeking accountability and leaning into community. And today, I actually have something that I want to share with you before we actually get into the habits. Back in 2020. My husband was attending a virtual summit as a diversity ambassador for an organization that he works with. And knowing I would lose my mind in the best way, he told me that Angela Davis would be speaking. And of course, because it was virtual, I was going to be able to listen in. You already know, I was hype. And I happened to pull out my camera at the perfect time. In her remarks, she brought up something that caught my attention. And I wanna share a snippet of the audio that I recorded with you now.
1: I do wanna say that another step I think is necessary in order to achieve transformation in all of these fields. So, um, and I know that you, you emphasize equity I like to talk about justice as well. I would actually like to see offices of diversity, inclusion, and justice. Because justice would entail transforming the institution itself. Not just assuming that the structure of the institution can remain uh, basically what it was when it it excluded. Uh, people of color, when it excluded women, when it excluded uh, trans people, disabled people. And all you have to do is bring representatives from those excluded groups into the institution and everything is fine.
0: Y'all, I love Angela Davis. I call her Auntie Ange because in my head, she's my auntie. She just doesn't know it yet. But one day I will meet her and let her know. (laughs) But I want to repeat just one line that she said, justice would entail transforming the institution itself, not just assuming the structure of the institution can remain what it was when it excluded people of color, women, trans folk, disabled folk. The institution has to change, which leads us into our final two habits. And I chose the theme, think outside the box, because that's exactly what these habits will lead you to do. So the first habit we have for today is help create equitable solutions help create equitable solutions. Now, the first thing I would say is it's important to understand exactly what equity is and what it can look like for whatever you are attempting to transform. And right now, if you're like, ooh, I don't know if I really understand equity, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and listen to my episode with Dynasty Hunt, who is a DEI consultant. Um, And I will make sure I link it in the show notes, but that'll give you a little bit more clarity in terms of understanding what equity means. But the reason that I was so moved by Angela Davis saying consider justice first is because it just makes so much sense. You know, I feel like sometimes we make this DEI movement, all of this, I think we make it a lot harder than it has to be. Um, If you were to consider justice first before you created your own solution, it gives you the information in terms of how whatever system structure or framework you're trying to change has already been harmful. Meaning it will show you the areas where you were lacking perception. Because if you were lacking perception when you created whatever it was you're trying to change and you have not actually taken the time to look and see how it was harmful, then you're gonna take that lack of perception (laughs) to the next solution. (laughs) And how is it going to be any different? So justice is truly just doing the legwork of going back and seeing, hmm, pulling all the parts of it and saying, how does this impact the humans that walk into this space? Important. okay. now I'm also saying this (laughs) because. From many DEI consultants, I have heard, man, we go in there and people just want solutions. They just want answers. And I, I actually experienced a lot of this when I spoke out more on these topics. Well, I would mention a problem and people would say, well, then what should we do about it? And my, my response in my head, don't worry, it was in my head. <laughs> in my head, I wanted to say, why don't you figure out why it's a problem first, Because if you haven't seen it as a problem, if you didn't know it was a problem, then that might be the first issue is the lack of awareness. So, when you are seeking to transform or change anything, figure out why that was not working. Figure out what was missed so that it isn't missing in the next iteration of whatever you build. Now, another thing that I, I want you to consider is the time that it takes <laughs> to create equitable solutions. During one of our workshops in building allyship, the, one of the members commented that once you you know, start to be able to look outside the box, it really doesn't mean that it's easy to find solutions. And that's important to understand for a couple of reasons. It takes considering all of the different lived experiences that will be impacted by whatever you're trying to create for it to be a solution, for it to be an effective and equitable solution. And that takes time. And in our society, Time is currency. (laughs) As you always hear, time is money. So there can be a rush to do these things, but it does require the time and and intentionality so that you don't have to do it over, okay? Now, the second reason that it's important to know this won't be easy to just find solution is, perfectionism is another thing that we are inundated with when we are growing up in this western society and perfectionism we know will keep you from executing ideas if they don't feel perfect but sometimes don't no most times <laughs> the only way to know that your idea is effective is if you try the idea And no, this doesn't mean haphazardly execute, but if the work stays on paper, the people won't experience it and give you the data to know whether it works or not. So I loved that quote about, you know, it not being easy to find solutions for those two reasons. There are a lot of things that are ingrained in us and how this society functions that we probably don't even realize it's unconscious in how we move. But once you become conscious of it, it helps you and how you move in this social justice movement as well. Now, something that I want you to know is when you are thinking outside the box, it can get really uncomfortable for people who the framework was working for. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) meaning if equity was not on the mind of the person who was like, nah, this is great, then you may hear something like, but we've always done it this way. I'm sure you've heard that in many different spaces, but you know, I love to, to have a rebuttal with the question. So I would just reframe it. Who have we harmed by always doing it this way? that changes the focus when someone says we've always done it this way what they're really saying is but I'm comfortable there was nothing in this that didn't work for me now I'm gonna have to get used to something new and aware and honestly if if you've heard any of the episode where I talked to Dr. London about this whole society being unregulated, change is not easy for for most people simply because we've been doing it consistently for the last three years with the unknown that has been out there. So I don't fault people for saying they've always done it this way, but I also will not let them stay there when I know that something can be better. So anytime you face the we've always done it this way or it's not really how our culture runs, then just reframe it into a question so the person can actually dig deeper into why they wanted to say that in response to you wanting to change a structure, a framework, or a system. Okay. Now you you hear us say we this isn't comfortable work, and this is why. There are times when you know you're you're gonna have to challenge your colleagues and even your leadership to help them see. More sides of the equation, or even be open to seeking other sides of the equation. Now, so that was help create equitable solutions, was our sixth habit. And our last, our seventh habit that we're talking about is identify something you are passionate about and see where allyship is needed. There is this, um, tendency for people who are new to allyship to feel as if they have to be a different person to be to feel as if they have to be more like the people who speak out who educate them who are activists who are leaders in the movement Uh, what I've noticed especially for those who are white or ignorantly a part of the problem is shame around that. Shame around being white or shame ar- around not knowing that you were a part of the problem. And the it doesn't feel good. So they just try to distance themselves from their identity. And that is actually a part of something we will discuss a- in another episode when it comes to racial identity development. But there's another phase we can get to. <laughs> uh, letting go of yourself completely does not fly with me because I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to sound like me. I don't want you, I don't mind if you quote me, of course, and if you share the things that I say, but I want you to embody allyship. That means allyship as a value for you looks different than it does for me, simply because why what do I talk about all the time? Different lived experiences, different spaces we grow up in, different um, you know, regions. All of that is going to look different for you. And so I don't want you to distance yourself. I actually want you to consider your role in society. Remember we talked about uh, all of the identities that you hold, exploring identities. And I said, go through all of the ones that you consider to be your identities and see how that shows up in this society. Um, I want you to consider the things that bring you happiness, the spaces and communities and networks that bring you joy and the skills that you possess. Why? There are opportunities in that. And if you choose to throw that away along with an old value system that you have, then Who's coming to the party? You know, if you are, I I tell the members in Building Allyship, if you are a soccer player, if you are a golfer, if you, you know, are playing, I don't know, some sport even as an adult, look in that space (laughs) and see what the layout is. Okay. Whatever hobbies you have, you know, affinity groups, you're a part of all of that provides you with an opportunity to acknowledge the spaces that you feel safe and seen in. And then you can take it a step further and just kind of investigate who might not feel (laughs) as safe in that space. Um, I, I, I love one example that I have is I have someone who is a in the membership who is um, a hiker. She loves to be out. They love to be outdoors. And they wrote a book about hiking, the hiking experience. And after reading and learning and listening to so much of this work, they decided I'm going to write, um, I think it's called an epilogue when it's after the book, correct? <laughs> She wrote. They wrote an epilogue and actually talked about the inequities that exist within the outdoor space. Simply put, she said, "This is something I enjoy, and I want more people to be able to enjoy it." So I'm looking at all the ways that there are all of the barriers that exist for certain populations. That's allyship. We we think it has to be these big grand gestures, and you have to show up at all the protests. But it it is just taking a second to look outside of yourself and see how others are experiencing what might not be a problem for you. And if it is a problem for them, it's you partnering and saying, how can we make this space better, okay? So our last two habits, help create equitable solutions and identify something you're passionate about and see where allyship is needed. Now, of course, I'm gonna recap them all again. So starting from here, we're going to help create equitable solutions, identify something we're passionate about, seek accountability, lean into community, let go of your ego, explore your identities, and as always, lead with curiosity. Please don't forget that all of this that I just talked about in the last three episodes are in a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective Allyship. graze the surface of these topics for you all on the the podcast, but I go in depth in the ebook. I also provide you with the four phases of allyship and definitions and terms and concepts that you might want to understand a little bit better as well as reflection questions throughout the book that you can use to become more aware. Today's call to action is for you to please. I of you leave a review and as always follow the podcast on your platform of choice thank you for showing up with me today until next time j-pop is out